And turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 14. And I want to also just say hi to Brother Mario and Sister Michelle. And such a privilege to have them here this morning. I've been watching him since I was uh, for when I since I first got saved, and he's been one of the preachers that I've admired over the years. And then it's funny how God gives you an opportunity to have a relationship and a friendship and get to know the people. And it's so great when you know them, you're not disappointed. When you get to meet them, you're, you're more encouraged. And uh, he's a mentor. Uh, he's been a mentor from afar, now a mentor from close. And to be able to see how God is using uh, powerful men, powerful men of God in our ministry. And then this world conference, wow. This World Conference, if you don't have plans, I'll tell you what, for, cancel your trip to Hawaii, cancel your trip to Europe, make your plans to go to World Conference, because there are, see, we are in a promised season of expansion. That's what Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, when God activated that scripture for our ministry, he was confirming that we are in a promised season of expansion. And a promised season of expansion says, like he told Joshua, I crossed over before you to secure and guarantee your success. That means that everything you're believing for today, everything you're hoping for today, you don't got to sit around and ask God and hope that it comes to pass. You got to believe in your heart that it's waiting on you. And instead of asking God for it, get to it because it's waiting on you. And that's what this world conference is about. See, in a promised season of expansion, there is a thing called position. And when you position yourself where God wants you to get to, Things fall off when you get there. Things come upon you when you get there. Are you hearing me? That's why some of you are walking in this morning and you've been hitting a wall. You've been hitting a wall and it just feels like I can't get past this wall. I can't get over this wall because the greatest weapon the devil has is to lie to you and make you feel like you can't move from where you are because he knows what's waiting for you on the other side of the wall. So this morning, we're going to break some people through to the other side of the wall. Somebody praise Jesus. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 24, the Bible reads, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me passionately, someone say passionately, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. We love you and we thank you. Let your word transform us and ignite us and move us forward. In your precious name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I would like to take a few minutes of your time today. And I want to speak to you on the subject of passion. I feel that this is a very critical time and a very key time for our ministry. We are in a time of life that not only do we know that God's word has promised an increase of wickedness and evil throughout the world, 
We know and we see the signs every day on the news and on the television. We can see the confirmation that we are living in the last seconds of the last days. There are rumors of war and there are wars and there are earthquakes and there are earthquakes, earthquakes where there hasn't been earthquakes and tornadoes and disasters and everything that the Bible had promised would take place is happening all around us. But thank God that when you belong to Jesus and when you wear the name of Jesus upon your life, the Lord says that even though you're living in terrible times, I have a different plan for you. I have a plan of hope. I have a plan of peace. I have a plan of beauty. You can be living in terrible times, but be very secured in the hand of God. Are you hearing me this morning? But we have, we are not being secured just to simply reap the benefits of God's security. We are being secured for a mission. We, Victory Outreach, have a mission, a global mission to reach the hurting people of the world. In a few months, in a couple of months, you're going to see 25,000 people gather together that are living proof that this vision is still vibrant, alive, and, and is fully on the cutting edge. Are you hearing me? But what, one of the things that we need to look at is we need to look at the subject of passion in our lives. When you're talking about passion, you look at the passion that we have for our mission. You see, we have been given a divine mission to reach the hurting people in the communities around the world. But something is happening in the body of Christ and something is happening in Victory Outreach that it is our time to expand. But in that expansion, God is speaking to every church and to every member of the church. And he's saying, I'm not only going to expand you, but I also need to upgrade who you are. I need to get you to another level of who you are. Because what worked for you to get you here won't work for you, me to take you the rest of the way. It was good enough for you to arrive where you are. But I need to do something more if you're going to see my finish line. Are you hearing me today, church? And so God is putting that challenge upon us. So what is happening is pastors all over the country are beginning to feel that it is a time to improve their methods and their strategies and improve the, uh, uh, their, their, their systems of operation and to refine their vision and refocus themselves because they feel a sense that God wants to do more. But also in that, God is saying, I want to improve the vessels in which I choose to use to bring this global hope to the world. You see, in this time, we need to continue to reach more. What is happening is that our mission is expanding. Our vision is expanding. We're not just reaching the hurting people in the sense of drug addicts or or prostitutes or or alcoholics. We are now expanding this vision, and now we are reaching the mother that was a a, a victim of a drug addict's son. We are reaching the, the sister that was a victim to a drug addict brother. We are reaching the college student because her is does not know respecter of addiction. Hurting people are coming in all forms. Now when you look, you have a whole generation that has risen in victory outreach. There are people, young people, that have never used drugs. Young people that have never been uh, in prison that are now being reached and finding themselves and finding a place in this vision. When they go, they have a burden for their friends and they have a burden for their family. But nevertheless, it is something in a time that we are living that the enemy is trying to bombard the people of God with hopelessness. 
You turn on the news, you look at the television, uh, you look at what's happening. There is hopelessness at every turn. When you look at the, the decisions our country is making, there's hopelessness at times there. When you look at the economy that we're living in, there's hopelessness there. When you look at the, uh, 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 when you look at the, um, the, the, the workforce and you look at the unemployment rate, there's hopelessness there. Every single place the enemy is trying to bombard the children of God with hopelessness. He's trying to backdoor the people of God's faith. Are you hearing me? Because if he could remove hope, then why do you tend to your faith when the Bible says that faith is the substance of things, uh, uh, it's the substance of things hoped for? Are you hearing me? The evidence of things unseen. When we don't have hope, many people start to leave their faith alone. They walk into church with no hope and they say, well, I don't got to sit in the front row. I'll sit in the back. I don't got to come on Sunday night. I'll be a Sunday morning Christian. I don't need to give my tithes. I'll hold on to my money. Why? When there's no hope anyways. Are you hearing me? And, and contrary to popular belief, you can lose your faith. Your faith can be snatched away. It can be destroyed. You see, and in this time, there's got to be something more. It's got to be something more that is driving us. And, and because, see, what the enemy wants to do is get us to a place where we're just living up to par. But God says, I didn't bring you into Victory Outreach so that you could live at par. I brought you into Victory Outreach because you have a global mission. You can't be in a ministry like this living for yourself because this ministry requires you to live for somebody else. God says, I'm, I'm going to give you a little boost this morning on something that's going to help you make it through. Amen. And that area is passion. Where does your passion lie this morning? Or what are you passionate about? Webster's defines passion as a strong and barely controllable emotion, a state or an outburst of such emotion, an intense desire or enthusiasm for something arousing enthusiasm. Some of the words that are connected to passion are fervor, enthusiasm, eagerness, zeal, zealousness, vigor, fire, energy, animation, spirit, spiritedness, fanaticism. You see, true passion is one of the most powerful feelings that one may feel in their lifetime. And some people become so passionate, uh, uh, some, some people become so passionate about things that they feel that they would die for it, and sometimes they do. Amen. When I begin to think of this topic, passion, I couldn't help but feel in my spirit the Lord began to speak to me. He said, son, if you're going to talk to my people about passion, you're going to have to talk to them about the trailblazers of passion. Yeah. And so I opened the word, and there it was, starting with Jesus Christ, who was the first martyr in the name of God. He was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Of him there is no question. His death on the cross for all mankind, for all generations is first. Indeed, the most important case of martyrdom and passion for the gospel. The life of Stephen. Stephen's death was a direct result of his preaching the gospel in a faithful manner in which he exclaimed the glory of the Lord even unto those betrayers and murders of Christ. Stephen was stoned to death in the street at Passover, the spring following Jesus' crucifixion. The outrage Stephen caused was so great that there was great persecution of the church throughout Judea and Samaria and in Jerusalem. And it was said that 2,000 Christians suffered persecution as a direct result of Stephen's death. Then there was James the Great, the son of Zebedee, the elder brother of John. 
James was martyred 10 years after Stephen. And this occurred under Herod Agrippa, who was determined not only to persecute Christians, but annihilate them. James, when he was confronted with his death, he was brought to the place in which he would be killed, and he still continued to preach with passion and exhort all those around him. When his main accuser was moved so much, he fell to the apostles' feet in conviction. And when he fell down, and at the same time they bowed their head, they were both beheaded at the same time. Matthew, the tax collector, who Jesus just simply said, come follow me, and he followed, was born in Nazareth. He wrote the gospel in Hebrew. But thanks to James, Jesus' brother, the gospel of Matthew was translated into Greek. Matthew labored for the Lord in Parthia and Ethiopia where he suffered his death by being slain and chopped apart arm by arm, leg by leg, piece by piece. James, the disciple of Christ, who was supposed by many scholars to have been the, Lord, the brother of our Lord by a former wife of Joseph, some had said. He was the head of the churches, of all the churches in Jerusalem. And he wrote the epistle uh, that bears his name. And at the age of 94, he was beaten and he was stoned by the Jews, still not denying the Lord. He spoke passionately until they bashed his brains out with a club. Mark, who was a Jew, born of the tribe of Levi, born to the Jewish uh, nation, he was converted to Christianity by Peter. In conjunction with Peter, he wrote the gospel of Mark in the Greek language. And he was dragged and torn piece by piece in the city of Alexandria. Peter, the blessed apostle, the one who Jesus declared, upon your life, upon this rock, I will build the church, was condemned to death by Rome by Nero. But Peter had several opportunities to escape, for he had many friends. And on one account, he recalls the Lord speaking to him that he were to be crucified. And then when he heard that voice, he returned back to the city that he was fleeing from. And he returned himself in, and he told them, I want to be crucified, but you don't hang me the way you did my Savior. You hang me upside down because I am unworthy to hang like my Savior. Paul, with the passion to serve the Lord after his conversion and his special touch by God, who ultimately came to death under the hand of Nero. Nero sent Ferrega and Parthemius, who were dispatched to Paul to tell him about his coming death. And when they got to Paul, Paul was preaching the word of God and instructing people passionately in the way that they were to go. And these messengers faked and, and indicated that they too wanted to believe. And when Paul bowed his head to lead them in prayer, they beheaded him. And there's a man named John, the beloved disciple, who was passionate about the gospel, who founded the churches of Smyrna, Pergamos, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Thatcher, uh, Ephesus. He was taken to Rome and put into a cauldron of hot burning oil. And by a miracle of God, he was taken out with no injury. He was banished to the Isle of Patmos, where John wrote the book of Revelations. And he was the only disciple to escape a violent death. And then there's a man years later that came upon the earth by the name of Sonny Argonzoni Sr., the founder of Victory Outreach who was saved in New York City by fellow trailblazer Nikki Cruz and David Wilkerson. 
Sonny came to East L.A. to go to Bible school where he felt the call of God to leave all and start the ministry of Victory Outreach in 1967. And from a humble beginning to a global ministry, Victory Outreach has become a household name within the inner cities of the world, reaching millions of hurting people for the honor and glory of God. And at the age of 70 years old, Sonny and Julie Argonzoni still are pastoring in the city of Cape Town, South Africa. Then in, it didn't stop there. In 1981, a couple from East L.A. decided to respond to the call of God by the name of Steve and Josie Pineda. And they came into the city of Hayward, California to give their lives, to reach other people. My friend, when you are feeling empty and void of life, don't you dare believe the voice of the enemy that says you're done, you're empty, you don't got what it takes. You need to look the devil in the eye and say, devil, you may try to predict where I'm going, but let me tell you where I come from. I come from a long line of passionate people. It was passion that got me here, and it's passion that will take me the rest of the way. Don't you dare think you can live life believing the lie that you don't have passion or your passion is gone. I don't believe that people lose their passion. I believe that at times we simply misplace it. We place it on other things. Are you hearing me? We put it on something else. We fall at times for the distractions of the enemy. When the enemy comes in and begins to talk to us and begins to lie to us and begins to divert us and tries to dis dis distract and detour us, he's trying to take that passion. That, see, you, the reason why God came to you was because he saw your passion. You see, passionate people, they're, 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 they live life to the fullest. They know how to have a good time. That's why when we were not saved, you didn't just party. You didn't party till 10 o'clock. One night, me and my wife went home, and our neighbors were having a party. And they invited us over to the party, and they, they know that we're saved, but out of, uh, out of just being courteous, they invited us to the party. And my wife and I, we just came in from out of town, and we heard the party going on. They had a DJ. And you know, you know how in, in, in L.A. you have a curfew of 10 o'clock. And they were partying and they had the DJ and everything. And I kid you not, it was 9.55. And once that clock struck 10 o'clock, it, it struck 10 o'clock, I looked out my window and they were, the DJ was closing up shop. He was putting away his records. He was putting everything away. The party had stopped at 10 o'clock. And I looked and I saw a, a group of people. I said, man, there is not one Mexican in that party. Because if the Mexicans were in that party, that party just barely got going at 10 o'clock. Because we didn't party a little. We partied all night. We partied till, the, we partied till we had to go to work the next morning. Are you hearing me? They had to kick you out of the club. Because you knew how to live life to the fullest. Passionate people are unstoppable. They don't stop at anything. They carry a high value on perseverance. They don't give up. When they have their mind set on something, they continue to go for it. They don't let negative people that are opposing their ideas stop them in any way. 
Passionate people take risk. They're risk takers. They know that the only way to get what they want is they got to sacrifice something and take a small risk, if anything. Unless they risk something, even if it's small, they will not grow. They realize they must step outside of their comfort zone to achieve something. Passionate people are assertive. They are intuitive. They have good judgment. They make good decisions fast. When a decision comes, they know how to make a decision quick based on their past experience, their external thinking, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? When they filter, they have an incredible, passionate people have an incredible ability to filter out critical thinking to reach a decision. And they trust in themselves, and they have a confidence in their choice. They trust in God. Are you hearing me? Passionate people are focused. They focus on their dreams and their goals until they become a reality. They decide on what they want and how they will get it. And then they focus on it with all the power until it happens. They only allow things to enter their life that will help them achieve what they have set out to do. They develop a powerful mentality and a filter against negative thoughts in order to bring them closer. Passionate people are creative. They have a creativity that overwhelms them at times because when they want something, they get creative to get it. They know that innovation and new and better and easier way of doing things will help them get the goal accomplished in which they want to seek, in which they are seeking. You see, sometimes when you hear about all these things on passion, one of the mistakes that we make is that we begin to think that when you're talking about passion, sometimes we just simply connect it to success. When we're talking about passion, we look at the businessman that is a, a, a Forbes 100 businessman, the billionaire, or the great big pastor of the great big church, or, or this person that has success in their education, or, or in their gifting, or in their skill. And we look at that and we say, we connect passion to success. But I'm here to tell you different this morning. Passion is not just seen in successful people. The qualities that I've mentioned this morning are not just found in the successful people of life. When you begin to look at the people around you and you begin to look at the people that, that are there, it is not just the businessman that is passionate. It is not just that man that is focused or creative or a risk taker or assertive. My friend, you can find all these qualities in the dope fiend down the street. Are you hearing me? You can find these qualities in the prostitute that's selling her body on the corner. We can find, we, we, we look and we see the dope fiend that got up this morning. He said, I'm going to live life to the fullest. I'm going to get my fix. I'm going to take some risk. I'm going to find somebody in the city that's slipping. I'm going to break into a car that should have been locked. Are you hearing me? Nobody's going to get in my way. They hear their mother. They hear their sister. They hear their wife saying, you got to change your life. you got to stop living this way. And they block out all that negative thinking that is going to stop them from getting their fix this morning. Are you hearing me? Sometimes when you're talking about passion, if you're not in feeling like you're in a successful time of your life, you almost feel like you're excluded from the topic. But I'm here to let you know that it was those type of passion. See, it was not success. It was passion that excited Jesus. It was passion that drew Jesus to look for those types of people. 
You look at the people in the Word of God and you can see the people in the Word of God that, that the Lord went after. He went after several types of people. When you're talking about passion, you look at number one, you look at the men that who broke into the meeting that Jesus was having. When he, when they wanted their friend to receive his healing, and the meeting was packed, and there was no room for them. Are you hearing me? There was no room for their friend. What did they do? The Bible says they climbed up on the roof. They begin to tear the roof apart. In the word of God, you find nothing that says that Jesus was saying, what is this distraction? What are they doing to my meeting? How dare them break the roof of this house and become a distraction of my meeting? Matter of fact, it's the opposite. The Bible records it in the word of God as something that got the attention of Jesus so much that he said, let it be written forever in the word of God. And these men, they begin to peel the roof apart. And they lowered their friend down into that meeting. Why? Because at times when you feel you have no passion for yourself, God will surround you with people that have passion for you. That's why, mom, you can't stop believing for your son. That's why, dad, you can't stop believing for your wife. You can't stop believing for your loved one. Because that passion you feel for your loved one. Is something that God gave you because maybe they've lost it for themselves. Maybe they're crippled. See, that man that was being lowered, he was crippled. He was in a place where he couldn't help himself. But God surrounded him with men who had a passion for him. And it got God's attention. What about the woman with the issue of blood? The woman with the issue of blood was a woman who experienced regular life. And living normal. But she got struck with a disease. And that disease caused her to be subject to that disease, the Bible says. And she had suffered from that disease. And she had spent all her money on that disease. But yet, even though she had spent everything and was suffering and was sick and was an outcast. When she heard Jesus was in town, she realized she wasn't out of options. She knew something is stirred in her heart. The Bible says that she went to that place where Jesus was. And it's always funny to me how the Lord was in that place and he was on his way to do one miracle and yet he was in a room that was crowded and as he was in that crowded room, it doesn't really say and specify what the room was crowded for and why, what they were doing in that room, but it mentions about a woman that walked into the room. And this woman was passionate about her healing. Why? Because she had realized that in her life she came to understand that when she lived a normal life before this disease hit her, she had something inside of her that we all need to have. She had something inside of her that said, even though you're subject to this right now, you weren't made to live this way. Every day that woman had that thought, I'm not made to live this way. I'm not made to live like an outcast. I'm not made to live subject to this disease. And that fueled her passion. And she would get up in the morning and she would go spend her money. But on this day, the Bible says that she, she, she heard Jesus was in town. And she heard that even though I'm out of money, there's still an option here. 
because I've heard about this man and I know what he's been doing all over the region. And even though I don't belong uh, in this place right now, my passion is going to kick in. And when my passion kicks in, I'm going to ignore the entire room. I know that everybody's going to look at me and say, what's she doing here? I know everybody knows my past. I know everybody knows everything about me. But right now they don't understand. It is not about me and them. It's about me and him. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I don't need him to look at me. I don't need him to speak to me. I don't need him to touch me. I don't need him to acknowledge me. All I need to do is get to him. And if I get to him, something will happen. The Bible says that she pressed her way through the crowd. And that she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, immediately Jesus felt the power leave him. And he looked at the disciples. And the disciples looked at him and he said, hey, who touched me? You know, sometimes the disciples were a little goofy. They were a little slow at times. He looked and he said, who touched me? They said, Master, what do you mean who touched you? The whole room's pressing up against you. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not talking about the looky-loos in this room. I'm not talking about the people that are just following me around to see the next miracle. I'm not talking about the people who are playing church. I'm not talking about the people who are coming just checking it out. I'm talking about a touch. I'm talking about a touch of passion. Passion just touched me because I know the difference when a looky-loo touches me and a passionate touch touches me and passion just touched me. Are you hearing me? There's another story. About Jesus taking a journey, and he's going, and instead of taking a shortcut, he takes the long road. And he takes the long road, and he comes to a place where he's thirsty. And he goes, and he wants some water. And there's a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus looks at her, and he says, woman, give me a drink. And she looks back at him, and she says, why do you speak to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a half-breed. I'm a dog of this area. I've, I've been rejected and dejected my whole life. You are a purebred Jew. Why do you speak to me? And he says, woman, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would be asking me for a drink. Now go home to your husband. And she says, but I'm not married. He says, you're right, you're not married. He says, you were married before? Are you hearing me? He says, the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And he begins to speak to her. And what he was telling her at that critical moment was he was saying, woman, I've seen the passion in your life for love. And you don't realize that your passion for love has led you to the man you've been looking for your whole life. You've had that husband and that husband and that man and that man because you've been passionate about love. But understand this, that today your passion has led you to what you've been looking for. See, it's so important this morning that we understand that Jesus has always been drawn to passionate people. That's why you can't, you, you, this is the time, and I'm speaking this this morning, why? 
Because there is something right around the corner for this church that I believe you are in preparation for. You are in, you are in transition of. You are in a place that when you go to World Conference and you come back to this city, you're going to begin to see the faces in this city like you've never seen them before. You're going to see places in this city like you've never seen them before. And the enemy would want to lull you to sleep. He would want to get you to conference and let you go to conference. And on the Saturday of conference, let the experience die as you're flying back home. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you are a part of God's elect group of people that he has called to reach the world. Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, somebody praise him today. And I'm going to close with this this morning. I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus, chapter 3. You're saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here in passion. My passion is getting stirred this morning. I'm wanting to do something for Jesus, but what do I do? Well, this is, this is, I want to just leave you with this this morning. In Exodus 3, verse 7, it said, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up and to bring them out into the land, the good and spacious land, a land that flows with milk and honey. But then he says, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. My friend, I want to tell you this this morning. I was torn between a couple of messages to speak to you. There was one message that I wanted to speak to you about the blessings of God that you were going to receive this year. But God led me to this message today. And the reason why he led me to this message was because he wanted us to understand something. Is that God is ready to expand this church. He's ready to grow this church to another level as he is victory outreach as a whole. But the expansion is not for the milk and honey. The expansion cannot be motivated by the milk and honey and the pleasures of life. The expansion is for the misery and the hurting people that he has seen. Are you hearing me? This world conference is not going to be for us to celebrate how big we are and how much we deserve or undeserving of the blessings of God. It is a place that God is saying, listen, I have activated Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. I have given you a promise of expansion. And yes, I will take you in a new land. And yes, there will be milk and honey. But the milk and honey can't be your motivation. you got to be motivated by the hurting people, the people that are living in misery all around you in your families that is what I want to motivate you if you're looking and say well why do I need passion I got everything I want my friend you have not been reached to have everything you want 
The reason why some of us have been struggling and battling so much is that because the Bible says that he is saying, I prepared a good and spacious land for you. But then he throws a, a, a curveball. He says, I'm taking you to your new home, a good land, spacious land, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. But then he says, your home is currently the home of all your enemies. I'm taking you into a land that has, so when you're looking, you're saying, well, if I, I got enough to make it. I got a barely enough to get by. I, I, I'm doing all right. The Lord says, oh, no, you may have enough, and it may be barely getting you by now, but I'm here to tell you that when you start to look at the new territory of your life and you start looking at the face of the enemy that's occupying your new territory, you're going to need something than just enough to get you through. You're going to need passion that is going to break you through and cause you to build. Are you hearing me? See, one, see, we're just still trying to get through. We're, we're, we're just trying to get in. Victory Outreach as a whole, we're just barely stepping into the new territory. Once you step in, you still got to fight. You still got to war. You still got to conquer. You still got to settle. You still got to build, and then you expand. Are you hearing me? And so what God is speaking to us today is he's saying, listen, there are going to be things that are going to start. I'm going to start building you piece by piece. Remember the $6 million man? And they looked at him and he was a wreck and they said, no, we're going to have to make him faster. We're going to have to make him stronger. We're going to have to build him piece by piece. And then you hear the music. God is looking down at Victory Outreach at Hayward, and he is saying, I love you for who you've been, but I love you too much to let you stay the same. I'm going to make you faster. I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to do things in you that you only dreamed about, and most of what I'm going to do are things you've never seen before in your life. So what I need you to do is stay passionate for me. AJ, as you come to the keyboard this morning, you see, you want passion this morning. You want to stay fueled up. Our passion lies with him. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the first and greatest commandment. And God says, listen, I understand everything you're going through. Everything you're dealing with. The enemy has a plan and so does God. You know that the way to produce hope is through trials. The Bible says that trials produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And it says this hope will not disappoint. Well, many of you come in this morning and you're discouraged by the trials that you have faced. Because the enemy has made you to believe that your trials are designed to destroy you, to hold you back, to stop you. And I got a good word for you. Everything you thought was in your life to kill you was allowed to build you and push you along to get you to the next place 
in which God decided, desired to position you. But you know what? It's not about positive thinking. It's not even about talking to yourself and just simply encouraging yourself. At times, it's the old principle of Mary. When Jesus walked into the house, she recognized the chaos of the house. And when Martha was quick to minister for God and unto God, she was quick to respond to the busyness of the room. Mary chose, I just need to take this time to sit at Jesus' feet because I need a filling. Somehow Mary was responding, she was sensitive to those moments. When Jesus was about to go to the cross and he just wanted to be around his friends for a good meal and some fellowship. He walked into the house and Mary, sensitively, pulled out her alabaster jar and sat. And she began to pour her love upon his feet. Judas began to criticize and say, what a waste. He said, Judas, be quiet. This woman prepares my body for my burial. And it was at that moment that you could just see the love relationship that she had. And what God is saying is, listen, I know there has been difficult days in your life recently. I know there has been opposition. I know there has been obstacles. But sometimes you need to stop creating your own solutions. Sometimes you gotta let you gotta let go of your own thoughts. The Bible says in Jeremiah, cursed is the man who puts his trust and his confidence in himself. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water who sends his roots out to drink. The leaves will always be green and he will be, uh, 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 there will be leaves that will be green in the dead times of summer, in the hard, hottest times. You see, the Lord says this, you want passion? You want to stay fueled up for this mission? Stay passionate for me. And then he says, secondly, keep your passion strong for your brother. For the second greatest commandment is love your brother, love your neighbor as yourself. See, some of you have a real challenge at times loving people the way you want to love them. Because really, you end up loving people how you love you. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And some of us can't love because that's really how you feel about you. God says, if you spend time with me, I'll teach you how to love you. Because where I'm taking you, there is going to be in this time, you're going to have to understand the greatness in which I have planted in your life so that this mission will be fulfilled. Because you can't be looking and admiring other people's greatness in this season and sitting back and expecting the greatness of others to take you where God has designed for you to go. He's saying, I need to reveal to you how great you are. When I made you, I made man and woman in my image. The word created is bara. It means he cut you out of himself. 
It means that you are cut out of greatness for a time such as this. As everybody is standing to their feet tonight or this morning, Samaritan man saw the hurting man on the side of the road. He was beaten, left for dead. The pastor, in our days, it would have been the pastor and the worship leader that crossed the road to get away from the hurting man. But the Samaritan, the half-dog, the half-breed, the dog of his time, the dejected, the rejected, the man who was still in touch with the feeling of what it felt like to be hurt, responded. Got him, bound him up, took him to the hotel, told him whatever he accumulates, put that tab on me, I'm going to take care of it. That man is Victory Outreach. It is time for us to cross the street like never before. It is time for us to take our place like never before. It is time for Victory Outreach Hayward to make a decision in their heart and say, if this is my church and this is my ministry, this has, goes beyond a vision of a ministry. This is the vision of God himself. This is his heart. To say, God, I want to be your vessel. I want to use what you've given me with a passion to make a difference in people's lives all around my day. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. If you're ready to respond to that, if you're not ready to respond to that I want to talk to you in a few moments but for those that are saying I'm ready to fulfill I want my passion to make a difference I want that passion for hurting people come 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 don't think about it don't question it you know that God spoke that in your heart your children lie in that passion. Your family, your mother, your father, your co-worker. Oh, hallelujah. Just begin to talk to Jesus. Just begin to talk to him at this altar. Just begin to get rid of everything that's been distracting you. There have been issues, if there have been circumstances. Today you need to change your perspective on those circumstances. Say, God, forgive me for letting myself think that what I've been facing has been trying to kill me when you've been using it to build me. Oh, talk to him this morning. Talk to him this morning. You were created to live for somebody else. Oh, that's it. Come on. Let those tears flow. Some of you, God is going to begin to prick your heart. He's going to begin to soften your heart with compassion. He's going
going to begin to tenderize your heart again for the lost. Some of us have gotten so self-enclosed, not on purpose, but by accident. But today he's breaking it off. Today he's tenderizing it. Today he's filling you with compassion. Oh, that's it. Come on, young men, talk to Jesus. Speak to him this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Say, use me, Jesus. Use my life. Use me, Father. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Lord, I give you my everything. I give you my pain. I give you my peace.